Greetings from San Jose, where the hockey-loving public will witness the next great Ironman phase of Tristan Jari's career. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports from San Jose, California, where the Penguins and Sharks will meet for a 10.38 p.m. Eastern Time face-off. Yeah, because you thought it was worthwhile to stay up Saturday that stinker from Los Angeles, too, right? By all indications, both visually and by Mike Sullivan's word, Jari will return to the Penguins net tonight against the Sharks. Now, he threw in all kinds of couching. We'll see how he feels after the practice that they had yesterday in L.A. But I was at that practice, and he took all the shots, never alternated with either Casey DeSmith or Dustin Tokarski who did their alternating at the opposite end. There were no restrictions on the shots, the type of shots, five-on-five, special teams, anything. He did all of it, and he seemed to come through in one piece. But then he seemed to come through the last injury in one piece, and two games later, he was out again. Look, I am not someone who makes a habit of questioning athletes' durability and or toughness as it relates to injuries. Some athletes, like a certain Bo Bennett, just break. They just break all the time. They just have things that are either, you know, soft tissue or they have just really, really rotten luck. You know, a slap shot from the point in the National Hockey League that hits your foot has a really, really good chance of breaking one of the millions of bones in your foot. But in Jari's case, I'm sorry, starting to get a little bit too often. And there's a few too many people who behind the scenes will either offer a little bit of a huff or something to that effect regarding Jari for me to not share with you my own thoughts. He needs to become... uh, I mean, there isn't a nicer way to say this. He needs to become an NHL starter and not just in name only. He needs to win in the GP column before he can win in the W column. And he has not shown any indications of that in his career. There have been several different injuries, several different types of injuries. They've been scattered over parts of three seasons. And I'll remind you, he's not old. This isn't someone who should be brittle. This isn't someone who should be saying that, the practice in which he just participated in Anaheim, like he told us afterward, was limited. It really didn't look that way. And that in and of itself sounds like you're kind of trying to delay coming back. Look, again, I could be 100% wrong here. I could be 100% out of line. But I'm just sharing what I think here. Here's what Mike Sullivan had to say on this same subject after this practice yesterday in L.A. I think he's perfectly capable of being durable. I, you know, I think he's had some unfortunate uh, breaks um, in this first part of the season. But uh, you know, his his history with the Penguins, he's been very durable, and so um, you know, I don't have any doubt when when he gets over the hump here, he'll be fine. And you know what? I'd say the same thing. If I'm his head coach, wait a second. If I'm Jari's head coach, and I know that my backups are DeSmith and Tokarski. I am telling you that Jari is the next Martin Brodeur. I'm telling you that 
Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck have nothing on this kid. He is the toughest, most Iron Man. There's no question about who he is and what he is. He played through a broken foot against the Rangers in Game 7. Never mind that no one knows how much coercing and everything else went on behind the scenes to get him to suit up for that game. See, there's there's not just not a good way to discuss this, but it also happens to be topic A. You know why? Because it was topic A before this season. We had a pretty good sense, all of us, me and you, that this team wasn't going to be great at defending. It needed to try to be that, but it probably wasn't going to achieve it. To be honest with you, when the Penguins have been at their peak this season, I think they've actually been pretty decent at it. But it's always been with him in net. Did you know that the team 16-5-5 five five when he plays? 16-5-5. Five five. You know what it is when the other guys play? Not that. He needs to be in net. I don't know what it is that anybody has to do to either build up some calluses with him or, you know, stretch a little more or whatever it is that's required. But he has to be in net. Or everything else that we discuss on this program, day after day, game after game, trip after trip, doesn't mean a thing. This team always needed a 930 save percentage horse in the crease in order to be a contender. Not a good team, not a you know super elite team, but somewhere in the middle there, contender. It's not the only problem that they have, meaning the goaltending or Jari's availability, but it's still number one. When we come back, J1Q... DK first J1Q offering, and it's regarding Sid's tete-a-tete with Garrett Rank. You know what, Phil? In addition to this being a congratulations-worthy J1Q just because it's your first tete-a-tete, and to, to describe a hockey thing on top of everything else, well played, mon ami. Is it fair to say, Phil asks, that NHL officials are the least objective in all of professional sports. Calls always seem to be a mysterious mix of A, the offender, B, the offendee, C, point of time in the game, and D, the official's personal agenda. All of those more important than the infraction itself. The game deserves better. Do you agree with me? You know, my timing isn't great on this, but no. The fact of the matter is that since Garrett Rank came along, I was thinking back a lot, and I did this especially in Anaheim quite a bit, to the last time the Penguins had somebody they they really hated as an official, and possibly vice versa, and it was Wes McCauley. And even Wes has kind of gotten over it. Like He's done a bunch of Pittsburgh games over the years since his run-ins with Chris Kunitz in particular, And there hasn't been an issue. 
and I haven't heard any in the locker room with Wes. Now, maybe Wes has just become a better ref or whatever, but he was going out of his way to do stuff to the Penguins. And, and you know what? It, honestly, in most cases, it wasn't stuff that impacted the game. It was stuff like what you saw there with Garrett Rank. Sid got a 10-minute misconduct in a game they were losing by 100, okay? And then Sid wouldn't leave the rink. Sid was just going to stay there until he got another set of hips. Well, he did, and that cost Sid an additional minute and a half of ice time. Again, in a game they were losing by 100. So it didn't really impact anything. Now, Garrett Rank has had moments where he has cost the Penguins, my belief is that that's because Garrett Rank is just a very bad referee. You will hear other teams say similar things or react similarly to the calls or non-calls that he makes. He's just not good at his job. To get into who is, uh, how did you put it that they're that they're the worst, or what did you say here, the objective officiating? Uh, are the NHL's officials the least objective See, I'm going to date myself a little bit here with this reference. They used to be. And I say that in the past tense because before the NHL went to two refs, and don't ask me what year that was. It was, whatever, 20, 30 years ago. Before the NHL went to two refs, they had the one ref system, and the one ref had his name on his back. Everybody knew who was ref in the game. And oh, by the way, a lot of them didn't have helmets on. So they were really recognizable. They were personalities. They were part of the event. And guess what? Some of them really, really liked that. You know, I'm going to throw out some names for some of you who go way back in hockey, but, you know, the Don Koharski, the Kerry Fraser. How about Paul Stewart? Paul Stewart loved being the show. Kerry Fraser... Uh, in a weird or different kind of way, you know, with the quaffed hair and all that other stuff, every hair perfectly in place. But Stewart was the one that made sure everyone knew it was his game. And that was how they talked about it. That was how referees were trained. It's your game. You take control of it. To some extent, that's a good, healthy approach to take in officiating any sport. You are the one who keeps it from getting out of hand especially in a dangerous, fast sport like hockey. But when you start taking on that big of a personality, the NHL very much made the right move to A, double the number of refs on the rink, and B, take the nameplates off, and just for safety purposes, putting the helmets on. So most nights when you go to the rink, you have no idea, right, who's officiating. So uh, this probably isn't the answer you wanted to hear. They're mad at Garrett Rank. They don't like him. I don't think he likes them either. But I'm not going to take that and say that these are the most, you know, uh, lacking objectivity refs or umpires or whatever it is in all of sports. I don't see that pattern. I really don't. Everyone's mad at each other right about now. That's it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll have another one of these tomorrow discussing the Penguins' really taking care of business this time against the Sharks.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.